All right, so uh, we're working through this little series in the new year called Reconcilers. And the idea is that all of us have been called and commissioned by God as we are reconciled with God to be reconcilers in this world. And a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about how this is a mandate for all of us. That if we are, are following the gospel command, we are not causing division and separating on every level. We are bringing people together around Christ. Last week, George came and he talked about the incredible potential that the church has in the world if we were to take seriously this reconciliation call. Next week, I want to talk about how we reconcile some of the power differences in our world and how we reconcile the, um, the, the, the power that the powerful have and how we use that to help the powerless. But today, I want to talk about where reconcile leads. What will happen, where we will end up if we follow this call that Jesus gives us to be reconcilers. And the answer is that reconciling ends and is completed when we can experience some kind of embrace. Embrace is one of those emotive words that we become a little bit uncomfortable with because it invades our personal space. But the goal of reconciliation is embrace. I'm going to share with you in a moment a story that you have read a uh, hundred times. You have heard probably even more. It's a story about a young man who rebels. But he has a father who loves him. And he is reconciled with his father. And the picture of that reconciliation is a dad who throws his arm around the son welcomes him back into the family. The picture of what happens when we go about reconciling is embrace. But as I said, that's a hard picture for a lot of us, me included. Because our picture of embrace looks like a hug. And I don't know if you've been around people or in those situations or to those parties or to those churches where hugging becomes a very awkward thing. I, I will be the first to confess, I, I have a hard time with hugs. It's, it's not because I don't enjoy them, it's just because I feel a little bit awkward. I never know how to, to do it properly. And so there's all kind of like hug substitutes that that we've kind of invented, right? The handshake is uh, an easy one. You know, the fist bump, the elbow bump is a thing a little bit bit, bit now. You know, in, in church, we sometimes do the, the side hug, right? Or we do the middle school dance hug, you know, when you kind of like do, do this, this kind of thing. We, we have a hard time with hugs. I did a funeral last week for a good friend of mine. He was 77, and uh, he just did not like hugs 
at all. He couldn't stand them, but he had a great sense of humor. So one of the favorite tricks that I used to play on him, we had a guy at our church uh, who was kind of semi-homeless, and he smelled semi-homeless, and he was semi-awkward, and I always used to go and whisper to him, hey, friend, Jim wants a hug. <laughs> and every time he saw him, he'd run up to Jim, and he would give him this, this big embrace. <laughs> And and I was trying to help him, you know, experience what God wants to do to us. But this story that I want to read, this story of reconciliation, is all about finding embrace from God. It's all about, in the most unawkward, powerful, loving, beautiful way, inviting us to get a hug to feel the embrace of the God who loves us passionately. In this story, there are three postures that I want to talk about when it comes to hugging. And you will be in one of these postures now. The first one is knowing that God wants to embrace us and realizing that God wants to embrace us, we choose to turn our back. We live in a world where there's a lot of people who hear about God and they've been hurt by the church or something, and so they choose to turn their back. There are lots of of Christians who are in our churches and they're still checking out God. And they're not prepared to to, to look at him and to see his love and forgiveness. So we kind of turn to the side a little bit. This story starts off with a guy who turned his back, not just on his father, but on the heavenly father. If you want to read along, the story is found in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. So to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. That's what Jesus did. He said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the men sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs Looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. This first posture of how we often respond to God's embrace is like this guy that we turn our back on our father. Two sons in this culture, the oldest son was the one who had the power and the prestige. When the father died, he would get two-thirds of the stuff. The younger son would just get one-third. But there's something going on in this younger son. He's not satisfied. He wants to explore. He wants to live a little bit. 
And so they're sitting around the dinner table. And he said, Dad, I'd like my inheritance now. That was a hugely offensive request. It was bad for the son. It was bad for the dad. But it was a front to his family and his society and his culture and his faith. What he was saying, in essence, was I would kind of like you to be dead, dad. So I could get my money and live my life. What he's doing in this moment is he's turning his back on his father. He says, I got a better plan. I got a better way. I want to explore. I want to have some fun. I want to do what I want to do. And I'm turning my back on you. The dad didn't have to give him the money. The dad could have said no. That was his, his right as a father. That was his right legally. But he realizes that if we're discontent, when we're rebellious, sometimes the best thing that we can do as parents is let that rebellion play out. Because if we try to over-control it, then it just makes things worse. So his father did a very hard thing, a very brave thing, but perhaps a very loving thing. And he said, okay. He saw that his son was turning his back and he let him do it. In this, this moment, if you will, the son was giving the dad a gesture with one of his fingers. He was saying, what you have, I don't want. What you stand for, I want nothing to do with. What you're all about, that's not who I am. Last week when I was in Chicago at the MLS draft, I got talking to some fans from Philadelphia. And it was the, the draft and every team gets a number of picks and Philadelphia had about five picks. And just before the draft started, 15 minutes before, they decided to give away all their draft picks to another team. And they were saying, every player in this draft is worthless. We don't want them. And these fans were really deflated because they felt their team had just turned their back. The first posture that we can have towards this embrace of God is that we, we turn our back. The problem with turning our back is that when we turn from what is right we start to face what is wrong. When we turn from what is right, we start to face what is wrong. So this guy packs up all his belongings, everything that he had. And it wasn't like he took much stuff with him, and so he discounted a lot of his possessions as being worthless. He said he headed for a foreign land. He was turning his back. A foreign land where people thought differently and lived differently and had different values because he was turning his back. He went out partying and getting in trouble with all kinds of girls because when you're facing the, the, the wrong way, 
You're not looking at the right thing. You start to hurt people and people start to hurt you. And he threw himself into this life of pain and abuse. Because when we turn our back on what's right, we end up looking at what's wrong. He had it all in the home, but he turned his back. And he faced the wrong way. And when he was facing the wrong way, he got involved in in all the wrong kind of stuff. He spent all of his inheritance just like that. He was trying to, to buy his friendships. But when the famine came, they went, and he's left absolutely bankrupt. No more money, no more friends, no more more family, he thought. He turned his back, and he was bankrupt. Some of you know what it means to be bankrupt. Some some of you, you, you know financially, but there are other ways that we're bankrupt as well, right? Morally, he'd bankrupted that. Emotionally, he'd bankrupted himself there. Bankruptcy in this this context means that that he wasn't worth anything anymore. It's a lie. We're never worth less, but, but he believed it. And he embraced a life of worthlessness because he had turned his back on the embrace of his father. There are many who have turned their back on the invitation to embrace from a God who loves them. There are many who, turning from the right way, have headed towards the wrong way, and it's just left them bankrupt, feeling empty, feeling worthless, feeling nothing. God says to us, I love you. You're mine. I care for you. I have an abundant life for you. But because of our selfishness, as he stands like this, we turn our back. Many turn their back on this offer of reconciliation, on this offer of Embrace. A second posture that follows on from the first. First, we we turn our back. Secondly, this story tells us that we can turn back around. This is what the story says, verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both you and heaven, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. We posture ourselves often before God's offer of embrace by turning our back. But the next posture reminds us 
that when we've turned our back, we can turn back. It, it says he, he came to his senses. A, a better understanding of this word actually means that he was reconciled to reality. Well, we're all familiar with these moments, right? Something hits us, something happens, and we say, oh my goodness, what, what became of me? Why did, why did I do that? And this moment of coming to his senses, once he has turned his back, causes him to start turning back. He, he tells us that turning back begins in confession. He says, I'm going to go home. I'm really not worthy to go there. I, I know I'm worthless because of what I've done, but I'm going to go back home and I, I'm going to say sorry. It doesn't make up for the third of my dad's income I lost. That, that doesn't make up for the bankruptcy of my behavior. But all I've got is this opportunity to say sorry. So I'm going to go and say, hey, dad, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. He realizes something profound that we often forget here, that all of our sin isn't just against another person. It's ultimately against God. We can never, ever just sin against one person. We sin against God as well. He says, I'm not no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as your hired servant. In this moment, this moment of clarity for him, he's realizing the cost that he has to pay for turning his back on God. And he says, it's just not worth it. I don't think I've met a single person in my life who considers all that they've lost because of sin, and said, well, it was worth it. I have sat with a lot of ex-husbands who turned their back on God and their marriage, and because they weren't looking in the right direction, they were looking in the wrong direction, and it led them to all kinds of problems and sin and adultery and the cost of that was they lost their family and their credibility and their relationship with the kids and not one of them has said it was worth it. One of the, 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 the problems is that before we do wrong, we don't count the cost. On Friday night, we're out. I got a call from the, uh, the, the police department. I was, I was on call about uh, a lady, and they suspected that she had been the uh, victim of some abuse, and she, she hadn't. But she just wanted to leave her husband. So I met with her yesterday morning, and we had a long conversation. And it turns out that her husband really seems to be a nice guy. She's just not, not too happy. And so I said to her, ma'am, here's my best advice. You're going to make a decision that will have a huge cost for you and your kids. I want you to consider the cost before you make the decision. Because the problem is that most of us don't consider the cost until it's too late. 
God says, I love you. I want to be reconciled with you. I want to share this embrace with you. But some of us turn our back. But the good news is when our backs are turned, we can turn back. And we do so by confession. The story continues, verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. This is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring him the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his feet and sand left ring for his feet. <laughs> Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. The father is still there wanting to embrace. So often we turn our back, but the good news is we can turn back. And when we turn back, always we are welcomed back. That's the good news of the gospel. When we turn our back, we can turn back so we can be welcomed back by a God who loves us. In his brokenness, he confesses, he takes the first step forward, he takes a few more steps. And as he's walking slowly with his head down, with the weight on the world and his sin on his shoulders, he sees his father running in love to him. You know those, those uh, I'm sure you've seen some of the videos, maybe you've had it when uh, if you, you've had kids, your kids were young, and they kind of run up to you and do this like big jump into your arms. I, I, I imagine that's what's happening with this, this father, totally undignified for a man of his stature, but he doesn't care because his son, who was lost, has been found again. His son, who had been turned back, turned his back on him, was now been welcomed back. He responds with compassion to forgive confession. You know what happens in this moment, this, this embrace, this grace, restores this man's bankruptcy and gives him worth again. The father was so intentional. He gives him three gifts. He gives him the robe, and that was a sign of honor. That says, you're part of the family again. He gave him the, the, the ring, which was a sign of, of power, of authority. And he says, your voice matters. Who, who you are counts. He gives him the shoes, which were a sign of freedom. And he says, you are no longer trapped. 
by your distance, by your, by your sin. You are part of the family again. Reconciliation is all about ultimately experiencing the embrace of a God who loves us. I used to carry this little card around in my wallet until I lost it a few years ago. And it was just like a little business size card, one of those kind of tacky things you get at the Christian bookstore. And it had a picture of, of Jesus on the cross. It said, guess how much I love you. And he's there with his arms outstretched wide, and he says, this much, this much. And our Father God is always standing there saying, guess how much I love you, this much. And that's how God postures himself before us. I love you. I want you. You're special. You're valuable. You're part of this family. It's so often we make the wrong choice. And we choose to turn our back. But the good news is we can turn back. And as soon as we turn back, we're welcomed back. The younger son learned that lesson. The older son, not so much. He sees the party going on. Verse 28, he became angry. He wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with friends. But yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, you've always stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. But we've got to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead, and now he has come back to life. He was lost, and now he was found. Two sons, same father, different outcomes. Both of them turned their back. But only the younger son turned back. And because he turned back, he was welcomed back. I would love to know what happened to the older son. My hope is that at some stage, he turned back and was welcomed back. But many of us have an attitude a little bit like that son. And it could have taken days or months or even years. Or maybe it never even happened. But to both the sons, both of them like us who had turned their back, remains consistent with his arms open wide, ready for reconciliation to, to do its work and to allow us to come home. You know, we read this story and it's a big deal. It was a pretty 
pretty dramatic turn your back. The reality is most of us don't make those big steps of turning our back. But we make a thousand little steps of turning our back. We go our own way and we do our own thing. And we expand the, the distance between us and God. But here's the gospel. And here's the good news for these guys. And here's the good news for us. When we turn our back, we can turn back and be welcomed back. When we've turned our back, we can turn back and be welcomed back. 